and we are rolling. Uh, welcome to episode four of the Stephen George podcast. I am Stephen Hussey. And I'm George Taylor. And we are kicking off this episode talking about habits. It's not really kicking off as much as the whole episode's going to be about this, isn't it? What I meant to say is, this whole episode will be themed <laughs> around habits. We're kicking the year off. Right. Um, it's a, you know, we don't want to do a New Year episode. I wouldn't even say we're, we're not talking New Year's resolutions per se. We're talking about specific habits we want to break and cultivate as The people. worst sort of traits that we have. Right, the very, very darkest, worst parts Most of ourselves. Most disgusting traits. Excavating them <laughs> and holding them up to the mirror. Um, we don't know the, what each other... Holding o- them under a blue light. <laughs> yeah. We don't know what each other's ones are yet, so we'll be able to I kind mean, we've, of... we've lived together for three years, I've got a good idea. <laughs> I've got some, but I don't feel like George is even self-aware enough to know what they are. What would have potentially been better in hindsight is that we'd have done each other's habits. Yeah. That, that... would have been good. You know, that, that would have been... I mean, I want this friendship to continue <laughs> uh, for a long time, and sure. I, I feel like ha- after living together for three years, picking each other, his entire personality <laughs> apart might not be the best way to go. Maybe not. Um, but, uh, you know, you can tell me if you think, hey, Steve, you really should have mentioned this one. Mm. Um, well, dare I say, maybe being presumptive or not, that um, this whole episode and a recent blog post you wrote might be stemming from a foible I voiced last week yeah that's right george uh, george picked up on the fact that well you're gonna already see this habit come up um i have a habit of saying um a lot uh especially when i'm trying to think out loud <laughs> oh, no. oh, it's already gone it's all gone forget it forget it end the episode now um yeah so i say um a lot as you can notice and like and the word like uh which is obviously a uh, American abomination that I picked up somewhere. <laughs> it cut through my British ear. Uh, and George was very upset by it. So I'm really, honestly, this is me trying right now not to say um, and I've said it several times already. Was this so, one on your list? This isn't on my list because it's because we're talking about it now and okay. it's kind of, I wrote that blog post about it. Yeah. So that was me holding that up to the light. And I also have, uh, in that blog post I spoke about that I have a habit of scratching my head uh, nervously. Sometimes I've done it before when I've been on stage talking. I watch back a video of myself. And if you ever have the chance, watch back a video of yourself yeah. trying to public speak. It is astonishing the things that you don't realise you do. One of them that, that Matt told me about, my brother Matthew Hussey, for those of you who follow me probably know this, my brother Matthew Hussey is a... Uh, well-known public speaker he does it for a living he's extremely good at it and he gave me some pointers but one of the things he says that people do a lot on stage is when they're speaking and they're nervous they just like sway a lot they Mm. sway side to side or they walk up and down way too much and they basically just don't plant themselves sometimes and just stop to talk and I noticed that I noticed fidgeting of hands so all so these I would um, say I've never really noticed you do the head scratching thing but maybe it's if you're right. doing a big public speech right? yeah I think it's if you're getting hit with a question you don't know or you're trying to figure something out mm. there was just times where I noticed it instinctively I'm going up and scratching my head so yeah those are some those are some little tasters of uh, the things that uh, I want to change um, so Shall we... We've both got a list. We haven't looked at each other's. Shall we dive in and we can critique or agree or disagree with each other's? Okay. Well, I might start with one that I'm in the process of trying to break. Oh, and so this isn't too introverted on us. I think this will be useful for people listening because I think sometimes you can think in such a general, broad way about your habits. I've found that listening to other people's gives you a ton of ideas Mm. And sparks your own imagination. So Just even you saying watch yourself back, right? Is exactly. Good advice for something that you would not have any awareness of otherwise, right? You don't know how you appear. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you've made no resolutions yet or not thought about your habits at all in 2019, I think this would be a good way to start. So yes, George, please. Well, okay, in. I will start with one that I've talked to you about before. It's something that I've been trying to break for a while, um, but I kind of thought about it again recently because. Uh, following through on it potentially might be really rude. 
Um, it is breaking with any possible superstitions I might still hold. Uh, I am a sort of crushingly godless man. And <laughs> have, you know, I've just been trying to wow. shed any any attachments to these just really pointless superstitions that I have from things like, from being a kid, my parents aren't religious at all either. This isn't really a religious thing or a belief thing, but the first of every month we would say, white rabbits, white rabbits, white rabbits. And is that... So I mean, since we have an international audience, is that a, is that a British thing? I suppose that's a weird kind of British little you know bring in the spring tradition. Because some people listening to this will just think you're insane. Oh, or yeah. your mum is insane. But it is insane. <laughs> that's why I want to get rid of it. What what is the white rabbits thing? Like? I don't know. But that's kind of my point. I had no reason why I was doing it other than oh, but my mum said that I should do it as a kid, and she's probably doing it as a kind of sop to her mum saying to do it as a and kid. And you do it on the first month. The first, first when you wake up on the first day of a, a new month, you say white rabbits, white rabbits, white rabbits, and up until I was about twenty-five, <laughs> no. maybe even older, I was doing it, and I'll even think about it now when I wake up on the first of a month. So I made a conscious effort to go. I'm not doing that anymore. You did that till twenty-five, maybe even older. Just as a, but literally as a habit, right? Not something that I was kind of actively engaged about that I was doing. It's just something that had been conditioned into me to that level. And it's not like I have oppressively kind of religious or pagan (laughs) crazy parents. It was just something that was, oh, on the first of a month, maybe just as a fun game as a little kid, you do that as a way of remembering the month. It might even be as sort of base as that. Right. Um, But that was one that I thought I kind of heard myself saying, what on earth am I doing here? But then it, I kind of extrapolated it to, I'm not going to say bless you when people sneeze because I think the it might be apocryphal, but I think it's because someone's soul is escaping their body and if you bless them as they sneeze, you capture the soul and stop it flying away. Right. I, see, I don't now, believe that happens. See, now I remember, I do remember you bringing up the bless you thing. <laughs> and I remember at the time, I, I think, you know, you're a man who also respects decorum and politeness sure yeah this is this is where it's butted up against difficulties and the bless you thing yeah would would trouble me because i i feel that someone will instinctively judge me or notice if i don't say bless you absolutely they'll think i've found that to happen they'll look at you and think wow if you're in a room with one other person and they sneeze and you just sort of sit there in silence (laughs) you feel like a real pig it's the it's the one it's a completely nonsensical thing, and you look like a jerk just for not doing anything Absolutely. at that moment. So it's difficult, and I then, kind of on a grander scheme, who's ruder? The person that expects you to do this kind of meaningful, nonsensical thing to kind of placate their need to hear it said? It's not the same as, I never say thank you, or please. It's kind of ro- presumably rooted in some weird, I don't know, religious or tradition that I don't ascribe to in any other part of my life. So why ascribe, like subscribe to that? And that one isn't, dare I say, that's not the same as you know following kind of religious good practice. If you go to Jerusalem and you wear a skull cap in a temple or something, it's it's not on that level of like polite or sort of societal behaviour, right. right? It's just almost a vocal tick yeah. that just happens to be derived from a kind of belief system that I don't subscribe to. So are you dropping the bless you forever? Well, I've, I've come into difficulties because I have been in contact with people where now maybe I'll just sort of mutter it tentatively <laughs> just as, as a kind of nod towards politeness and then that's me done. Don't I don't know. It's a difficult one. It's yeah. a really difficult one. But um, that's one I need to figure out how to get through. But otherwise, just silly superstitions like um, don't walk under a ladder. Well, you can walk under a ladder if it's not a safety issue, I suppose. If you're going to knock someone off, don't walk under a ladder. Yeah, that, those are the ones I hate. The All the bad luck ones. I think... Yeah. I, I find them more frustrating than anything else because they're just... They're, they're sort of so random and inane. Yeah. And just the... You know, the, the fact that people do actually change their behaviour. Don't put your shoes on the table, it's bad luck. Right, it's yeah. not bad luck, it might be dirty. Don't put your shoes on the table because they're muddy, but not, <laughs> not because they're going to curse you. And there's so many, it's like, there's so many I don't, I'm not even aware of, so it's like, well, I don't know how many times I've done that now. Right. Like, like yeah, the shoe, the, the umbrella one indoors I didn't know for years, and yeah. not opening umbrella indoors, and so well, how I've, many people you've cursed. Well, I've probably done that 50 <laughs> times. Um, but I think my, my kind of underlying point for it is just stripping away things that you do, literally you do them by habit that you've probably been conditioned to do as a child without thinking, oh, why am I actually saying that or doing that? What does it refer to? Or right. It's not it's not supposed to tread on anyone's toes. It's more just, I don't have those beliefs, so should I keep saying those things as a kind of 
knee-jerk reaction. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the way to go about it, but it's kind of a silly one that has some level of deeper habitual yeah. reassessment behind it. Um, okay, I like it. I'm gonna do one now. I will. Uh, my first one to break is gonna be. This is gonna sound. It's gonna sound almost snobbish at first, mm. but on first blush, but buying cheap clothes. Here we go. Mine, and I, you, my is perfect. <laughs> Uh, and George is a very sartorial uh, man who enjoys fashion, so I'm sure he'll appreciate this. But this is more, I think this is more getting to 30 um, and just just coming to a point where I've realised now that this isn't some kind of, oh, I've really got to have a refined wardrobe and start taking myself you know, really seriously in, in some kind of fashion way now. But it's, it's literally, this is more money conscious to me than you know than anything else because what i've realized is that i always get punished when i buy a bunch of cheap clothes and anything i've got that i love and i wear a lot is always something that where i paid a bit more for it and i then wear it you know 100 times whatever tons of nights out or you have a great jacket, you have a really nice pair of shoes, you have a really good pair of trousers, get so much out of them. And then there's times where I've been lazy and I've been like, I'm just going to grab five of these t-shirts and grab a few of these. And all that happens is I end up wearing them about five or six times. They look bad after a wash or a few washes. Yeah. Um, they don't fit as well. And you kind of just have this very quick buyer's remorse where you go... This T-shirt's never looked very good on me, but I bought it because it's cheap. And yeah. I just, but I'd never, I'd never wear it for anything important or anything I cared about. Never wear it to go out. Never wear it on a date. Never wear it to meet like for dinner. So it's kind of just becomes this thing where you just put it on. It's a massive like, false times. economy, right? It's a false economy. It's um, like times where I think if I add up the spending on them, if I'd have bought a nice shirt, uh, you you have it for years. There's so it, it plays into one of mine as well that I'll mention in a second, but it is also we were talking about minimalism last week right that it's almost our current society my girlfriend's definitely the case that you're sort of conditioned to just go out shopping and buy things that should be permanent in quite a transient way you'll go out and buy t-shirts like you just said you'll buy, you'll pick five up in the way that you might pick five apples up mm-hmm. you approach clothes shopping because you can buy five Primark t-shirts for £10 in the same way that you buy food that once it's eaten it's gone the shirt should be something a bit more permanent and the thing that we then don't think about and I'm not I wouldn't say I'm like a kind of kind of green evangelist or anything but the damage that fast fashion does is right. really shocking there was a, a great documentary by that Stacey Dooley mm-hmm. the uh, dancing superstar from Strictly about fast fashion and the impact that it has in the countries that make t-shirts that we can buy for two pounds it's just shocking how much really? water, chemicals, what what, just unbelievable. Um, it, it's really bad. So breaking that habit of thinking, oh, I can just pop in this shop and buy these things in that disposable way is really important, I think. And if you frame it in the way that you've been talking about there of setting, rather than going, I'm just not going to buy any more bad stuff, but saying, oh, I'm going to seek out better things instead might be a good way to go about doing it. Yeah. Um, that's probably true of lots of habits, right? Rather than just going, I'm going to go cold turkey and stop doing this. It should be, I'm going to change my way of doing things to with fitness or something. Yeah. Building it into your lifestyle in a slightly better way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, so my one that links to that, I suppose, if I could slightly hijack it, is, is maybe like one, one up from you almost is, my goal is to only buy clothes that are essentially, I'd say now, made in the UK but really buy clothes from the country that I'm in just in a kind of, is it possible to do? Is it financially viable? It's buying a t-shirt made in, I don't know, Bangladesh for Primark. Where's it gone? Where's it flown? What wages are the people that make it being paid if it's only costing two pounds? Whereas is it possible to buy something that has been spun, made, packaged in the country that you're in? I wonder if that's, that's something I can do. Um, because I've, I've certainly got enough clothes. I don't need to buy more through any urgency. So setting that target might be a good goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just I'm just relieved to hear it's not some kind of hardcore nationalist 
position. <laughs> it's good that you said buying only in the country I'm in. That's what I mean. Well, you're I, supporting whatever local. Well, it would economy. kind of undermine it if I moved to Bangladesh and then just imported a load of clothes made of Blackburn. It right, wouldn't sure. really work with it. But um, yeah, I think. Wherever you are in the world, you're only buying UK clothes. <laughs> that, I mean, it, it's a goal, it's just not mine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think. I think we're both on the same page there. I think, um, yeah. Um, all right, I've got another one that's, well, um, well, I've got one that's that's kind of easy because it's linked to what we talked about last week on the minimalism side. But um, basically, not throwing away things quick enough. Um, and sorry, you don't at the moment. You don't throw them away. This is a habit I want to break. Okay. Is uh, I should get rid of when I get junk, when I acquire junk, when I even get given junk, I should throw it away far quicker. I almost sometimes think oh, it's worth holding that for a month, even though I know I'm going to throw it away. In case the person that bought it for you pops around and asks to see it. Well, there's that part. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I just see that little um, little silly toy I gave you a month ago? Um, yeah, just just things like that aren't really proper mementos. They're just something I picked up somewhere at an event, whatever it is. I have some weird, almost I don't I don't know what it is. It's some it's some sort of strange primordial view that I need to hold it for a while. Um, yeah, sort of sort of some kind of caveman view that I need to like hoard the stuff for a bit before I officially throw it away. But um, yeah, my brother's quite good at this. Like Matt just gets rid of stuff so quickly. Um, because he just like I'm done with that. Just lose. I don't need to keep whatever the box is, and I need to keep this silly thing. Um, so I want to throw stuff away uh, much, much faster. That's good. I think that's a good one. Especially if you are living that slightly more transient life, you're just not going to be able to. Your circumstances won't let you do that as much, right? If you're traveling or living out of a bag, yeah. Your habits almost have to suit what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. In a way, like the I don't know, the consumption habits will change depending on where you are. Yeah, you'll still be saying like, <laughs> but you won't be carrying the stuff with you. Um, uh, like gonna... in that, there's personal habits and there's there's habits of different conditions, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, you got any others? I've, there are more for sure. Um, well, okay, so <laughs> this this one's really specific. Uh, as something to break and it's something I've noticed about myself that I've found really hard to articulate specifically what the issue is I'm aware of it but and people don't believe me when I say it and I think I've maybe distilled it now slightly more into what it is and I've brought this up with you once before as well but I feel that if I'm reading let's say an article about a subject that I don't already have an opinion about right. and it's not something that I feel like I know how I'd come down on it I often, if I only, if I read one article about something that takes a stand on it, and it's not something I have a previous experience of, I just take that point of view, and I, I take that as my given point of view, and I think that's a flaw. Um, so it, it won't be, you know, a political thing or a, something that I have an opinion on, but I'll, I might read an article, a silly article that says, this famous person is a bit like this, and I'll go away. If I only read the article, I'll, I probably will go away with that position right, becoming my right, default setting but there's no reason to think that and I I haven't addressed it from the other side and it's not I'm worried about this as something that I want to change because it isn't just with those trite things like Chris Pratt's a bit of an idiot or something, right. it will be something slightly more meaningful um, so I want to say if Chris Pratt is listening we, we don't think I, you're that's an idiot. not, and I, I'm changing my point of view Chris I need to read <laughs> other opinions um, but yeah it's something that I think in general, I'm not that kind of person. I'm f like, I think I'm quite reasoned or I have positions on things, but I am aware that if I will read an editorial about an issue that I don't know about, that will become my kind of default stance. But then I suppose, what else can you do? Right, yeah. I, I think that, well, I think that's, that's a good one, actually. I think um, probably a timely one for the times we live in. But yeah, injecting like, injecting a dose of scepticism into like, and it sounds extreme, but like nearly anything mm. you read, basically, I, I, I do think I it's. Have it. I am a sort of raging skeptic. Yeah. So it's, it's not even. It's not be more skeptical. No, but I think I think there's almost. I think it's more deeper about being uh, being unbiased, and I think it's a different thing where, 
you can, even if you are naturally, or we naturally believe ourselves sceptics, you definitely can, you know, like you say, you can just say, well, these are the things I generally think about these issues. Mm -hmm. So I'll read some brand new article and you'll kind of approach it with that lens and be looking at it, looking at for the flaws that you know. And you kind of think, I don't know, I always think there's small things at the margins where it's like, I should just, I should just be prepared to change my mind about that. If that, like, why am I so wedded to this position? Because I've read a few articles like saying that I should be prepared to completely change my mind yeah. and read an opposing, oh, abs- absolutely. an opposing argument about it. Like, I think people form their, I think people form their opinion way too fast on certain yeah. issues. I think it's the way that, uh, I think because it's often with things that are fairly inconsequential, my guard isn't up. And yeah. it's not something that if I hadn't for some reason stopped to think about this as a factor, because it could be, I can't even think of a, a working example for it. It could be, oh, people think Kew Gardens is too overcrowded. I'll read that and then uh, someone will mention Kew Gardens. I go, oh, bloody overcrowded. <laughs> right. But it's, I, I can't give a, give a valid example. Why it's, that's why it's always been something I've, I've found hard to express. But I don't know how I could stop that happening. Um is it to just not read inconsequential, flippant, kind of transient news? Because that's probably where it occurs the most, and that's the least meaningful content you can read, I suppose. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, d- I don't know the best way to combat it. I think it's... Yeah, I don't know. I guess you got to, like, go to Kew Gardens. Yeah, but I I try and take it, I try and take a lot of things now because I I think there is some weird, even in very like very official publications, right? Even if it's say like the Economist or mm-hmm. something, like at some point you do realize, um, and this sounds like you're being one of those like fake news people, right? Where you start calling all the mm-hmm. mainstream media yeah, yeah. like fake news, which isn't my view, but but it's even with those things, you always have to kind of remember these are still laden with opinion a lot of these yeah. you know a lot of these articles are not only there to just say this is a purely objective view on what China's doing right now yeah. what America's doing so what this leader's doing you kind of have to take everything as being like this is a slant and an editor is thinking about the spin they want to put on this and the view so I, I, I do try and take some weird some weird sort of omni-skepticism about anything where I'm prepared to say okay I'm I read that piece, but that's that's. A this is what gets me about this one because ninety nine percent of the time I'm reading things with by thinking, well, the editor has to do this, or there's some political overbearing. I've always got my kind of alarm bell on me, so I find it strange when something inconsequential just it doesn't even slip through the net because I think when I'm reading it, I am aware that this could happen, but when I walk away, it's it's just gotten into my subconscious right. at a level that I'm not able to block it out, and I don't know if the answer would be read two separate articles about Kew Gardens at the <laughs> yeah. same time. I do, because it's often things that I would have no reason to to find out more about, right? If you're reading about, I don't know, torture, there's a good reason to find lots of sources right. and form an opinion. But if it is something really flippant, oh, the uh, overcrowding in a pub in somewhere, and you just read it, I've got no reason to follow up on that story. And maybe that's the problem. So but then maybe it's an, content I don't If you read an article on. saying... Uh, Rome is really horrible now and it's a terrible place to visit and it's too hot and there's loads of tourists and the food's bad. See, would you would you kind of go, oh, right, Rome, not going to go Rome? No, it's not... I'm annoyed that we've brought it up almost because it's so hard to articulate <laughs> from my point of view because I don't think I'm quite hitting the nail on the head but I'm aware that I have a thing where my opinion can be just slightly swayed by an editorial... It's not even an editorial stance, just the most recent thing on that topic I've read, right. if it's a topic that I don't already have a fairly crystallised opinion or framework about. Um, I already have an idea of Rome, so it's not going to be affected by that in the same way. Yeah. It would be more one specific ice cream parlour in Rome that I've not visited. Oh, don't go here. Right. I would have in my head, oh, let's not go to that one because I read a thing about we shouldn't right. go there. It's really flippant. And Whereas I would say, let's go on TripAdvisor and see the average. If it's four point sure. four or more, then we're probably maybe here. that's maybe I should just aggregate my <laughs> opinions a bit more. Yeah, yeah, just go for the spread. Yeah, but that's that's one that I'm I'm aware of and working on, even if I can't quite articulate it. No, that's interesting. I think that's a good thing people can take away. 
Um, okay, I'm going to do one. Habit to break is... And this is... I'm saying this now, and I think this is going to be really hard to stick to, so maybe you can help me find a way to stick to it, but habit to break is not having a bedtime. Interesting. Now, Great parenting advice. Yeah. Um, no, this is a habit I want to break. So I want, oh, to, have a bed, I want to have a bedtime. Um, or at least maybe a defined range of yeah. acceptable bedtime, because as you know from living with me, George, I can work and live on extremely weird hours mm. and sometimes can work late into the night and get up late and then I do the same again the next day and it's sort of you know at times it's worked really well for me I kind of finished my PhD in that way and it was kind of I was living on insanely unsociable times and it was weird but it, it was just like okay somehow I'm getting this done through working through this like starting writing a 1am and just carrying on for hours and I was like fine this is working I'll just do it and uh, you know because when I put pressure on myself to suddenly be like okay now you're going to get up today at 8am and start working and and then if I missed that I would feel like I'd messed up the day and it would frustrate mm -hmm. me so I was like I'm not going to put that pressure on me now but when I'm not naturally a morning person so I'm not saying oh the new thing is to wake up at 6am every day because I just know that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's just not It's not realistic for the, the way I work. Um, and I work with America a lot, so I work late. But I think what will help me a lot is if I say, this is my bedtime, I will then just naturally start to rise at a more consistent hour. And it's kind of the consistency I want. It's where I don't want there to just be... This day I got up at 8, and the next day I got up at 10, and the yeah. next day I got up at, you know, whatever, and it's like, it's just all over the place. I feel like I need some kind of, like, does consistent your, does your, routine. Is your wake-up affected by your going to bedtime? Because mine, within a range of fairly, you know, common time, isn't affected too much. If I go to bed at 3 in the morning or 9pm, I'm still waking up between 8 and 9.30. Right. No, see, I think mine is... I think mine is affected where if I go to bed later, it's infinitely harder for me to right. make okay. myself get up. Because so it's just, it's just, it's just my body screaming that I haven't had enough sleep. Yeah. And then it's just... Whereas any time I go to bed early, I tend to just wake up fairly early anyway. If, right. I, if I go to bed at 10 or 11. But is this... Is it just a habit that you want to change so that you can... I don't know, socialise better? Or is it because you think you'll be more efficient at getting your work done? Um, Do you snap into your kind of, oh, I can type a 100,000 words, now it's midnight and I'm in the dark and no one else is around? Yeah, I have those. And those are, tend to be better when there's a lot when there's a lot to be done and I'm in like a crunch period. That tends to work for me because it's some something about those sort of, those night hours where everyone's asleep, I can kind of just work uninterrupted you know, from 12 till 3 a.m. and it's great. But but for my normal life, it's like not a sustainable thing that I want to have. So I kind of, I'd more like to, in my everyday week, just say, I, the weekends don't matter so much, but in my everyday week, it'd be, you know, if I go to bed at say 11 or something every night, I'm just going to have this consistency and it's going to be a much more, you know, it's much easier to plan things. You're like, I know I'm getting up then, so I can plan yeah. the gym then, I can plan the work then, socialising. If you kind of, each day you waver by like three or four hours of when you go to bed, you, you might, the next day you'd be like, well, I woke up late, so I don't have time to socialise today because I've got to do the work late. And it just kind Is of it throws possible? me off. Is it possible for you to do that? Because <laughs> like, I've definitely had times with you where I've, say, maybe we've planned to meet in the morning or something and through no fault of your own, Matt's got in touch with you from LA, huge time difference, you've had to do some work really late, you wouldn't yeah. be able to go to bed at 11 because you need to do this piece yeah. of work, you well, end up going to bed at 5 in the morning. That's that's less so now because we're kind of a bit more disciplined on, you know, the way we do meeting hours okay. and things like that and, uh, you know, we have ways where I'm not, I, I'm not constantly doing things like so it's a change you having are to manage all the same almost things. almost the company culturally able to do yeah could yeah i could more That's say good. i'm off on these hours yeah I'm not okay there. and so yeah i i think but it's not realistic for me to say one bedtime every night i feel like i could say i could say like you know hard stop hard stop at midnight or something and be like 10 10 to midnight yeah. range has to be i feel like that would be it's like might sound like that's too letting myself off the hook, but I think that sounds like realistically I'd something say, I could do. I'm probably about that. I 
you have extremes, right? I don't ever go to bed at five in the morning unless some mad scenarios occur. Yeah, yeah. Normally I'm going to bed, if I'm really tired, it's about 11. If I'm not super tired, one o'clock. It's kind of fair window. Yeah. But that's for my ability to wake up in the morning. I'm going to wake up at the same time if it's 11 or 1. If something, you know, if you have a late night out or something, it might change. But generally, yeah, you're I would good assume at it. You, you most are people it, are like Yeah, yeah. Like and that, I, I think I'm definitely a bit of a weirdo in that sense. But, you know, I was reading recently that uh, Simon Cowell lived like that for ages. And I don't, I don't know. He was uh, that sort of partly. I was like, okay, like someone else is doing it. Okay, good. Successful. But. I think he was saying it wasn't good for him at right. some point. I think yeah, part yeah. of the article's thrust was that I don't think <laughs> don't I like this can anymore. keep living this way. Because yeah. he was going into the office at night and working all night and then like, yeah. living on like vampire hours. Will it affect your your procrastination slash productivity? I, I think it will be better because I think it will give me sort of hard stops in the evening where I think the evening's a time where I can sort of fritter the most time away, where I can... Because I think it's late, I think, ah, I'll just start reading this book now. I'll watch another film. I'll put a thing on. Because it just feels like the night keeps going on. Mm. And I think that's where the unhealthiness is, is just thinking like, um, you know, like Jerry Seinfeld used to have this whole bit about how, like, the nighttime guy always screws it up for the morning guy because the nighttime guy just wants to do more. Sure. Like, hey, like, it's fine. I'll be fine in the morning. It's great. And then, like, you feel terrible in the morning. So yeah. I think it's more curbing my nighttime messing about like, like well, for me around after midnight procrastination it's it's a bit like a gas right like it just expands into whatever you give it you'll get a piece of work done yeah right if, that's why if it I has just, to be in at noon that's why i just set loads of deadlines because yeah. it just stops you being allowed to yeah and i suppose the night is the kind of the opportunity for each day to run on right and then it resets, but you can go, I'll stay up another hour and watch another episode of something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if I have a bedtime, this will be my sort of, oh, you've got a hard stop there because yeah. you've got to start getting ready for bed. So yeah. you can't just let things bleed but into do the Do you night. have the willpower to enforce this on yourself? Well, I'm going to try. I've got to try it. You do, yeah. I just try. wonder if it's something where, you know, you could set a, a 9 a.m. coffee appointment with someone the next day so that you've got a reason you have to be up and about. Yeah, that's that's might be... I thought the bedtime thing is more realistic because the, I mean, I, I've had things where I meet my trainer early and stuff where I meet a personal trainer and set something early, but it does, sometimes that does just mean I live off less sleep. <laughs> right. It does mean I'll still go to bed at like two yeah. and be like, yeah, we're going to, I'll meet him at eight and I'm tired and, uh, and like whatever. Yeah, right. So I think the bedtime thing is going to be more important than the morning thing. Mm. Um, so and that's I'm, a I'm good one try, because I'm that's a big lifestyle like, thing. I'm going to try it for like... A month and see if it's if it's workable. Yeah, if I can well, do. You're going to the US, so you're going to be adult with jet lag. It's not going <laughs> yeah. to be a good time to do it. But um, yeah, the intention is there. We've probably spent a long time on that one. I'm sorry. I think it's a good one though, um, and it's one that you know, lots of people could. Enact. If you got any ideas to help me stick to going to bed on time, uh, send us in an email or a comment. Lavender scented pillows. Lavender scented pillows, right? Mm. I found a bath helps. Oh, hot bath, bath gets you to sleep way quicker in the bath or no straight afterwards you just really you're really relaxed you clean as a whistle as well so. um, <laughs> perfect um, last habit I want to break really quickly is grinding my teeth Ooh. that is the dentist's orders <laughs> um, so but I've already taken steps to that I've got a mouth is that while you're awake or while you're asleep a lot of it while I'm asleep, mm. some of it while I'm awake. So I've got a mouth guard that I wear in the evenings now. I had one of those when I was a teenager. Swallowed it. Gee, that is yep. disturbing. Really bad. Oh it was God. dramatic. Um, and also I had to have Botox injected. It shows. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't. I had to have Botox injected into my face to relax my muscles so I, I clamped my jaw less. Oh, wow. Um, like, it's not much, but they give you, like, a little dose to try... Because they say it helps people who grind passively because it just makes you close your mouth less. And you look um, ten years younger. So. <laughs> yeah. Walking around slack-jawed. <laughs> um, uh, so, what are some habits you want to cultivate? We're, talk we're talking about new things you want to do instead of things you want to I suppose to the thing I wanted to do was buying the clothes in the UK. Buy right. more if I am to carry that's a kind of a bit of both stop buying things that are mass produced and start being a bit more considered in my consumption oh, yeah. of those things only buy from Burberry and Jack Wills uh, 
I I would assume that neither of those are made in the UK. Jack right. Wills definitely went through a period of being made in Morocco, despite saying fabulously British on the logo. So um, those are the kinds of things I'm out to avoid. Who says you don't learn anything on this podcast? <laughs> um, I, I mean, my list is already rather thin. I've got one. <laughs> I've got one more I want to break that's been imposed upon me. Okay. Um, that's related to sleep. If I can just crowbar one in, I need to stop snoring, Steve. <sighs> Uh, how, she, how, she's, she's put the order in I mean <laughs> when you say she <laughs> she's not a happy camp it's not your mother no it's not unfortunately um, yeah the, the old snoring's quite bad at the moment I think it's it's tied to weight gain Steve I read an article that says if you have a neck size of over 16 and a half inches you're in trouble and I'm sort of a swollen 17 at the moment right so you're the a 17 you're a 17 yeah. neck deceptive yeah you've gone up well, it's always this one's been up there, right? Yeah. But um, the snoring is really bad, and it's 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 causing trouble. So I'm using that as a motive to lose some weight. Do you think that? Do you think that's gonna be the the key? Losing weight, oh, it definitely helps. Right. Um, when I've been lighter, I don't snore as much. I have, um, I have some jaw issues similar to you that definitely make it more likely that I'll snore. I don't. I snore whichever way I'm sleeping. Right. If I'm on my side and my back. So the thing I'm probably most in control of would be weight. Right. So if I lost a bit of weight, I could reassess. But it's something that needs to change. Yeah, yeah. Um, something I'm 100% not aware this is happening. So I do feel a little bit victimised. But you know. I've, I've had girlfriends say I'm very, I mean, like very inconsistent. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But they have got annoyed with it before. They have like in the night mm. gotten annoyed with it before. But... But then I won't for a while, and I don't know if it is when I'm maybe eating healthier or just being, you know, Drink doing a lot of exercise, not drinking. Well. Yeah, like I've lost some weight over the last couple of months. It'd be interesting to know if now, um, lost about twenty pounds, George. So I'd be interested to know now if I'm doing it as much mm. as I was before. Um, but I'd need a girlfriend to know that. <laughs> so. Something's cultivate. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, uh, so here's one of my habits. You are going to love this one, George. I'm all out, by the way, so we're all you now. He's done. Um, so I've got I've got one, and you're going to love it. Because you're going to think this is something I really have to do. Okay. Start replying to people on text. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I am dreadful, <laughs> dreadful at responding <laughs> to people on WhatsApp, text... Uh, just personal, specifically personal conversations, mm. uh, Facebook Messenger. Oh, yeah. Um, most people, I've realised, just think of me as dreadful at replying to all of those. Um, and I know it, but I, I just get this thing where I find it, I don't know, anything I'm going to say is an excuse, but I sort of get, I just see a bunch of messages and then I it's all like something I've got to attend to. Your time's more important, sure. And I know, I know if I get back, it's going to prompt more back and there's a whole conversation thread going to start. And so sometimes I just think, you know, what I think, which is, I think is healthy. I think I'll get back. I don't have to get back to it immediately. I'll do it when I've got some space and, you know, in a couple of hours. But then in a couple of hours, I've sort of forgot. <laughs> it's, gone, it's gone out of my and mind. And they're sat in the coffee shop like a job and looking around thinking, for you. Oh, right. It's been a week and you yeah. haven't said anything back to my message uh, you know someone will just say they might just say uh, oh do you want to do something on the 27th for this birthday thing and I just think alright oh, that's fine I'll, I'll get back to that and I just don't Monday and the 31st you stroll in there have been things where I've had to just say to people like sorry I haven't responded for two weeks <laughs> and it's pretty bad um, yeah. and it's fine if it's someone I didn't want to talk to but sure. some of them are just friends that I just yeah. I don't have a good excuse so I think it's just become a nasty habit and it's something I yeah I think most people actually struggle with the opposite where they struggle with I need to make more space for me to not you know lots of people I know think I text way too much and yeah. I need to stop responding to emails so much or things but I almost go the other way where I'm so protective of like my space and my I just want to sit and think about my work and do this and then it, it yeah I think it just negatively impacts things when there's I'm a couple of not... things aren't there as to how it's used I suppose like if you just use it as a very functional means to say I'm going to see you at nine o'clock that day and then we'll have our catch up 
it's kind of a shame to not follow up on the message because it serves a purpose. But if your whole messaging kind of social networks are just to talk to people, you can really sink a lot of time doing that. Yeah. So I think being aware of how dangerous that can be, but also, you know, you don't want someone to message you and say, what time are we meeting? Read it and then go AWOL, right? They're the yeah. things you have to yeah. stop, I suppose. Yeah, and there's just been things on conversation threads where it's like, oh, I, I should put my input into this. And then it's just, you know... Again, I just think, oh no, I'm going to scroll through. The, the groups are intimidating to me, George. Yeah, it's the WhatsApp groups. You've made your positions on those clear to me in private. The WhatsApp groups, when I'm in, you know, I'm in a few now. I've got a family one. I've got friends, a couple of friends ones. Bane of his life. And they, all day, they're like a ticker tape. It's like a stock <laughs> exchange. They're just going. They're just running through all day of just... Because my family one has my whole, all my cousins on it mm. as well. There's, there's things going in there. They're all sweet. Like, I love them all to bits. They're all sweet. You know, <laughs> they're a great bunch. Sure. But it, yeah, it's a, it's just a ticker tape of there's just updating news feed happening. Mm. People are posting pictures. And I realise at some point I do need, I need to contribute to this and I'll do a bit. But then <laughs> it just keeps going. There's more. And so, yeah. That's just... when it, those group threads become difficult right because often it will be we're all going to meet for a drink at this time but you have to wait through yeah. 300 yeah so then i'll ignore gifts. it for a few days and then i'll realize someone said oh should we all do lunch and yeah. do this so yeah so that's my let's see it's... that's my hashtag first world struggle <laughs> um, uh, it's a good one to be aware of yeah but um, i think everyone could do with stepping away from those messages right uh yeah so maybe a, a 24 to 48 response <laughs> you'll be going 24 to, 48 hours. you'll go to bed earlier as well so you've not even got the time to <laughs> yeah. sit and reply <laughs> um, another one I got George is this is kind of linked to a bigger goal but mm-hmm. obviously I've been healthy over the last couple of months lost some weight um, 20 pounds 20 pounds drinking black coffee mm. you've done this it's as long ex- as I've known you you, exclusively. you pretty much drink black coffee and espresso but I'm a man who used to live on about four lattes <laughs> Um, it's about a thousand calories. <laughs> it's a lot. The, the calories add up, um, especially if you're having whole milk and everyone. Yeah. Um, Frosting. You know, I don't want to be that guy, George, but I do like a coffee. Um, and especially when I work at, in a cafe, you know, I like to plot up. I like to just have mm-hmm. a few coffees. And um, yeah, with my trainer, I think the first week we started working out together, we were sort of just doing regular checks on weight, like over a couple of weeks. And then one, I just kind of stayed like exactly the same, even though we're working a lot. And he was like, "What you, what's your diet like? Yeah. Sort of sitting as, oh. I'm... You're someone I would say who has a healthy diet. Like my eating's generally. fine. Like I don't snack so much. But I was like, oh yeah, I do have about five lattes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, he said, yeah, yeah, you you need to cut them out. You yeah. need to stop start drinking those. Um, my my annoyance from when, whenever I make my kind of, I'm going to get fit and lose some weight. I like, I, there's lots of things I snack on. I can often have a bad diet, so it's clear I cut those out. But I'm annoyed I don't have those easy wins. Like, oh, switch over to skimmed milk and you'll cut loads of weight. I already use skimmed milk. Right, yeah. Or like, don't drink, yeah, milky coffees. I don't. So I don't have those those things that you're never going to give up completely. I can never make those sort what of about your What about, dare I say, your love of a biscuit? Well, the love of the biscuits, obviously, that's a stop eating biscuits right it's more those ones of you're generally you're doing everything pretty good we're both drinking coffee it's just that the coffee you're drinking slightly less healthy but then i on top of that i'm sitting and eating a whole packet of jammy dodgers so it's more it's just i don't have those oh every morning with cereal i have double cream i don't i already have quite yeah yeah it's not making the difference yeah it's one thing i've learned it's actually quite hard to lose weight that's what i've learned over these last two three months absolutely um yeah, um, it's been quite a lot of work. Do you enjoy just drinking black coffee? Is that going to be hard to move across to? I've been doing it. I've been doing it. Like, that's, that's like, part of how, like, just certain things in my strategy have just been uh, certain substitutes and things like that. But, yeah, no, that that I was amazed. Like, I just got used to it. And mm. then I was just, that's, that's pretty, I, I haven't had a latte in ages. But, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not really, like, an all or nothing person. I don't go for, like, these intense... I'm just, I don't say I'm not drinking alcohol anymore, but yeah. I'm just, just kind of a, but yeah, now it's, it's pretty minimized. It's more, it's like a treat on a, like a, you know, once every couple of weeks or something. But yeah, I've, uh, so that's one drinking black coffee. Um, 
Another one is, which I have been doing, is doing a Spanish class every week. Uh, not going to one, but I have an online course. I realise that certain online stuff is just so much... I, I did a French class at Oxford for a while. I don't think I learned... I, I had a bit more conversational French, but like we were learning such deep grammar and things mm. like that. It, was, it felt like this is too much time into these niche grammar things, whereas this... Uh, yeah, this Spanish course I found was just really quickly giving you like conversational phrases and things. So is this an um, app or is it? No, a this is proper. This is there was there's a bunch of YouTube videos on it, and then it's like you pay for like okay. all of their videos. But um, yeah, dare I, I ask it. why Spanish, Steve? Um, Spanish very widely spoken, quite easy compared to French. Mm. I've the comparison I found is I'm like wow, this is much easier. Um, so probably it's the lowest hanging fruit sure. and it will give me the most proportionate rewards in terms of the amount of people I can speak yeah, to. Yeah, Mandarin's an effort, isn't um, it? Uh, Mandarin's an effort. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Mandarin's a lot of work yeah. and uh, does rely on frequent trips to China, to China. mainland China. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, so, uh, so that's one I've been doing. Um, that's a great one. The last one, I'm going to do the last one now because we've probably gone on a lot in this one. Um, uh... I was going to do one on cooking, because you know I'm not a big one for cooking sure. much at all. And I was going to say, but I don't know what's realistic. I think maybe like cook. See, I don't know. Might not be even realistic. Try me. Something something like cook a new meal each week myself. That's definitely doable. It's doable. Especially but like, I, but it's like your dad's a great cook, right? So you've got someone cook. you could learn from yeah. at hand. Yeah, I could probably do that on a Sunday. That's probably something I could try. But also, you don't have to make super extreme stuff, right? It's just roast a chicken, or I don't think I'm a great cook at all, but I think I can cook a fair range of things, and I think it's from just securing the basics. And I think my experience of kind of quote unquote learning to cook is that I was always really scared of, oh, well, but you have to follow the recipe exactly, or everything has to be exact, unless you're making a specific like souffle or something that's really, you know tight to the instructions if you know oh that's how to grill a piece of meat and make it that kind of tenderness and that's how to season a dish then suddenly you can tie so many things together right so i think it's probably worth just not even saying learning a whole new dish but just learning how to yeah grill some meat well learn yeah, how to season yeah. some vegetables well or something probably like, like a specific thing because I, I know i'm just not i don't love cooking anyway but i mm. feel like it's something i should I think the big thing I found when we lived in our flat together if you want to start cooking you have to go out and buy and stock up a whole larder and it becomes a quite a daunting task if you live at home and your parents have already got a load of stuff ready to go it makes life a lot easier yeah, yeah. so you're quite well placed to give it a go that's a good one um, would you okay. test it on others uh, when I got more confident okay. when okay. I got more confident um, final final one is trade <laughs> Trade fifty percent of my YouTube watching time for watching new films. Oh, that's great! Because I watch a lot of YouTube stuff, and I love it. Um, but it's just I don't watch a lot of. Yeah, I just realised I've been scrolling through loads of new inane podcasts, inane YouTube videos. Yeah. yeah, just talking about the same things I'm interested in. And then, yeah, it's like, well, I'm not watching any. I don't know. There's lots of good new stuff coming out. Yeah. Even good new series. I just don't. I need to do more binge-watching, George. Mm -hmm. That's basically what I'm saying. But, Less binge-watching YouTube. But more selective. More selective watching. Uh, watching One, yeah. actually, then I, I've remembered that I started last year and I got a good way through would be it started off with watching every film that's won the Best Picture Oscar. Right. Um, I'm, I started from all films, I think, from 1950, and I've got about five more to go. Wow. Then I need to go back into the earlier ones but I think follow, watching films maybe that have, have won big prizes or the BFI's top 200 that kind of thing I think work my way through those lists and see the things that are culturally significant yeah that's quite interesting it's just an easy starting point I suppose yeah you could watch all the Oscar films that won best screenplay because they that's they good. used to say that the ones that won best screenplay were the ones that should have won that's best fair, films. Yeah, because yeah, I've I've been avoiding Chicago, for example. <laughs> there's a couple that are looming that I can't quite face. Yeah, there's some real oddities that won Oscars that you know, it it was not even the sort of fifth best film no, that year. It's political. Yeah, 
Um, well, does that does that bring us on nicely to our recommendations? Yeah, um, we're coming up to the fifty minute mark, so one I five. Think, no, <laughs> compress that. <laughs> Fifteen, yeah. Um, race through that. Um, so, as usual, we have some recommendations. We're doing book, film, song, album, and on George's insistence, an album. Um, tenuous as it may be. Tenuous as it may be. Uh, so. Each week we do a recommendation based on the theme of the week, which obviously is habits. So, what do you want to start with your book? Yeah, I'll start with my book. It's you didn't directly recommend it to me, but I saw it on your shelves, and that that got me in, interested. Uh, it's Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Okay. Um, which is, I guess, not directly about habits, but it's about how people make the decisions they make, the kind of hardwiring in your brain. So I, I suppose for the ones we talked about. For me, this is really relevant to the, the silly superstition thing. It's more things are hardwired and why do we make the decisions we make, the subconscious and how it affects your kind of confidence in the decisions you make, the way you make your choices, the way people are easily, I guess, swayed and manipulated by decisions that appear more difficult than they are or appear easier than they are. Did you um, say you had read it? Yeah, you it's have, yeah. incredible. It's um, really, really fascinating and potentially one of the most cited works of science ever yeah. for how many other papers that reference him well, and, and it's many... essentially a compendium of his and Tversky's life's it's yeah. like their life's work in a, in a book that's and then even... it has massive like ramifications with economics and things like that right but so many then books that have been really successful more recently like Nudge or yeah. even um, uh, Super Forecasting a book we both really enjoyed um, they're so built on this work yeah and yeah. um I guess they're even about economic habits or how people play markets and things, but it's fascinating as an insight into how we think, how the people around you think, how decisions are formed around you and how the decisions around you are guided, I suppose, as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's a bit more like highbrow than this is how to break habits, but it would give you a great insight into why we make the decisions we make. I yeah. thought it was excellent. That's great. Um, I went for a, similarly, I went for a non-fiction book because I thought, Let's do one that's actually useful to people and habits. And it's uh, the book Daily Rituals by Mason Curry. And this was, uh, I think it was a compendium book he made based on a, a blog he did that was really popular. Uh, he had this blog where he would find the specific routines and habits of really great uh, artists and creative minds. And it might be inventors, it might be scientists, it might be writers or uh, visual artists. And he would you know, say, well, Charles Dickens used to walk for three hours a day and then do his writing every day at I think I flipped through it. He, he breaks it up into a diagram, doesn't he? Like a pie chart of time as well. Uh, for some right? of them, I think yeah. he does. Yeah, and he... And, yeah, it's just, it's just really cool because you see that... Basically, you see there's no one way mm. to do it. There's... It's not like, oh, every single person started at 7am and did this mm. and, and wrote for five hours a day or, or whatever... Um, and they're just really some of them are quirky some of them are interesting um, but they all you know what the point is I guess is lots of them did have certain habits and routines that they you know stuck to and would like that would work for them um, so yeah that's Daily Rituals by Mason Curry nice um, I'm going to maybe I'll do my album now because it's it's really tenuous. It's just a na- it's essentially built on a name. Great, Let's um, it. but it's a fabulous album. Has it got the word habit in it? It doesn't. Right. No, okay. It's called Forever Changes, which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to make <laughs> forever changes. It's by the band Love. Okay. It's a fabulous album. It's from the kind of San Francisco hippie scene of the late sixties. I think it's from nineteen sixty seven. It's I would describe it as one of those great albums that if you go through a list of the Rolling Stone 100 Best Albums, it's often one that you'll see but won't have listened to. Right. I don't know if I can generalise that for everyone, but more people will have listened to all the big Rolling Stones and Beatles albums. Yeah. And it's one that's got a kind of weird cover that might be a bit off-putting for people, but fabulous. It's like brilliant folk music in the vein of a bit a bit kind of Neil Young or The Birds, those sorts of bands, but with the, like brass and horns as well. Great songs, um, it's a fabulous album. It's got nothing to do with habits. I suppose they probably took a load of drugs, but I don't know if that's relevant either, but it's called Forever Changes. Nice. Um, it's a really, really excellent album that I endorse wholeheartedly. Okay, cool. Um, man, I wish I had an album I loved as much as that uh, to recommend. I 
The album I've got is also extremely tenuous, um, but it is a good one. I found it a good one for like working or just for it. Well, it's a soundtrack. Okay. It's a soundtrack, and my tenuous link is it's a soundtrack about a man who has a very extreme habit um, of drumming. Okay, good. So it's a soundtrack for the film Whiplash. Brilliant. <laughs> um, for a man who goes too far and gets very obsessed with one thing. But he does become an extraordinary drummer. It's all worth this in the end. Um, but uh, yeah, it's got some really, it's got some really good ones on there. It's got the kind of insane finale where he does the. Is it all of, original music? Version of Caravan. Uh, some of it is obviously it's just covers of jazz just ones, but uh, okay. but some of it is composed like the main theme by Justin Hurwitz, who also did the same the track for the same director. Who's playing for, the drums um, in that film? I don't know who's playing drums, but it is definitely not Miles Teller. Does he play any of it? I, I must play. He, I think he stuff. did learn that. To, he yeah. did learn uh, up to standard. I'm pretty sure it's not him in the sure. the big solos. But um, yeah, uh, uh, Justin Hurwitz also did this soundtrack for La La Land. He's done all of Damien Chazelle's films mm. so far. I think I'm not sure about First Man. Um, but uh, yeah, it's great. It's a great little punchy soundtrack nice. uh, with some jazz standards in. It's a great film as well. Very very good really film. Good film. Um, well, I'll do my song because uh, it's kind of sort of a bit jazzy. Um, it's Frank Sinatra's "So You're Getting to Be a Habit with Me." Okay, got the word. It was the only song in my iTunes that had the word "habit" in it. Okay, well, um, it's a great song. Track three on Songs for Swinging Lovers. Okay, the best Sinatra album. So, I mean, <laughs> old blue eyes ain't gonna hurt anyone. Um, I uh, I went for also a song that harks back to my youth. George, one of the first concerts I ever went to is one I was invited to by a friend to go see uh, the pop punk band The Offspring. Beautiful. Um, and they opened, everyone went mental because they <laughs> opened with a much beloved song of theirs, Bad Habit. Perfect. Um, which is just a lot about driving in your car, drinking Jack. And sort of being, uh, <laughs> Good advice. Being a bit of a rouse about rebel. Perfect, um, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, that's Bad Habit by The Offspring. And You're actually earnestly recommending that to people. <laughs> Go and listen to Bad <laughs> Habit by The Offspring. Um, if you're driving in a car, don't drink Jack, but do play that song. Sure, yeah. Um, did we have one more film? We're filming. Okay, film. I'll squeak mine out. Um, I actually prefer the book, but the film's great as well. Um, and I guess it's, it's a bit more about decisions and how you decide to change things. It's Moneyball. Oh. Um, which I think is really interesting because it's almost about how a, you know, it's like a, I don't know, industry-wide habit, or if industry is the wrong word, like a kind of a culturally-wide habit that has to change. The film, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it before, but it's about um, how a baseball team approached and changed their recruitment policy to fit their budget because they couldn't compete with teams that had a higher budget for recruiting players than they did by rather than relying on the kind of tried and sort of tested habits that teams used like that guy looks tall and handsome he'll be a really good pitcher he looks like a good player they would drill down into statistics and using those statistics would be able to make more informed decisions and come to better outcomes to me that's really what breaking habits is about yeah um it's got brad pitt in it beautiful um the one book the book's brad better pitt's but the best, film's uh, fantastic one of brad pitt's best ever I think yeah. in terms of his performance and like yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of an un well it was well critically acclaimed but I feel like a lot of people don't talk yeah, about it feels like it. a bit of a slow burner though I feel like loads of people have seen it on a DVD right. or on Netflix yeah or something. yeah um, um, but I think it, it it does kind of fit this brief it's just about they make a kind of industry wide change in in an approach to something that everyone has since adopted yeah. um, and realised we were making these mistakes and going through a process without really thinking why we were doing it we should assess why we're doing something and change it yeah love it mm. um, my film my film's pretty tenuous isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, my film is uh, uh, the Oscar winning for Jack Nicholson as good as it gets great stuff uh, I wanted to pick a very good film because sure. I didn't want to just go Oh yeah, train spying. That's got addiction in it. <laughs> so I thought, okay, as good as it gets, it's about a man with some very quirky, extremely fastidious, almost obsessive habits. Mm -hmm. Some unhealthy. He's got OCD. He uh, won't step on cracks on sidewalks, and uh, has very specific obsession with having his own cutlery at places he goes to eat, um, and uh, also like really set writing routines and, and ways he likes things. Uh, but it's just this 
kind of fantastic touching film and it's kind of really the uh the culmination it's kind of how he you know manages to overcome some of his uh quirks and obsessions that are kind of uh blocking him from being able to share his life with someone really and and uh how he tries to deal with those uh when he meets helen hunt it's gonna change everything um so yeah it's a it's kind of a modern classic yeah, it's a one of my mum's favorite films uh, I think it is one of, yeah one of my mum's oh it's one of mine but could be one of your mum's favorite films <laughs> um, yeah so that's that's all she wrote is that another film that... no no no, no, no. Right. Um, well I think there's a lot for people to go and get their teeth into there I think there's a lot to chew on Offspring Pitt <laughs> Nicholson it's a veritable buffet um <laughs> The recommendations, you know, just just pick and choose from them. Tell us what you like. <laughs> Tell us if you rocked out to the offspring in your car. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, do send us. Uh, is there a way people could send us stuff? Do we have that method? <laughs> well, I think we need to look into it, don't we? Okay, we'll look into there's that. A, there's a comments function on SoundCloud, but I'm sure we can probably fire up a Gmail address. Yeah, if you we'll set up a Gmail address. If you want to send us a little comment on SoundCloud or your Twitter, uh, or my Twitter at Stephen H Hussey. Uh, if you want to send us any of your recommendations, tell you what, Steve, habits you want, I'll be able to listen to this on iTunes soon. And yes, we're very eagerly awaiting iTunes confirmation <laughs> and when we get it you'll be able to actually subscribe and listen on your popular smartphone yeah it'll be um, kind of drilled straight into your phone in the way that YouTube dumped their album on everyone <laughs> without them deciding if you subscribe to this it just won't stop coming have four hours of this straight <laughs> straight in straight in your ears <laughs> um, alright well thanks for listening and you can go and pick your habits you can steal some of ours if you want if you want to drink more black coffee or buy more clothes made in the UK, they're all more nationalist clothes. They're all available for you. Um, thank you for listening. Fabulous. Cheers, guys. See you soon.